welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. I'm Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Ruminant Nursing Wear's Pump and Nurse Collection. All-in-one products that you can both breastfeed as well as pump hands-free in. And we will hear more about Rumina's um, products later after Diane shares the review of the week. And my review of the week is from EMCPT. 100 episodes of all the good information. I so wish I would have known about this podcast back when it started. I had just had my son and was struggling, all capital letters, with breastfeeding. I am due in September with baby number two and have listened to all 100 episodes, and I feel so prepared this time around. Thank you, thank you, thank you, ladies. That is amazing because that's a lot of episodes, girl. So... (laughs) That is a lot. <laughs> I hope you are Thank you. feeling good about this baby and having this baby. And I say it every all the time. I am so thrilled when people listen when they're pregnant because yes. this is not just like, okay, I had a baby. Now I need to get the information. Like I want, I want this to be for people before they have their baby. You know, like it's so important. So thank you. Good luck. Let us know how you do. And Everybody, if you have not left us a review yet, leave us a review. Let us do you as the review of the week and give us your suggestions and your ideas. And we would love to talk about it. Totally. But, yeah. But now, like, we have a really, really cool episode today. We have a special episode because what is it? It's Black Breastfeeding Black Week. Black Breastfeeding Week. Yay. Woo-hoo. We don't even plan that. Happy everybody. Black Breastfeeding we Week that. for everybody. Yeah. We did not even plan doing that together. Like it was totally. We don't, yeah. Planning plan is on. not no. our strong point. It really is not our strong point. But uh, so Black Breastfeeding Week is the last week of August and World Breastfeeding Week is the very first week of August and the whole month is Breastfeeding Awareness Month. So. Yes. And we're very excited to have a very special guest, Erica Byers, here on the show with us. And we're going to be doing amazing things. So let's get to it. Thank you. Happy Black Breastfeeding Week to everyone. I am here with Erica Byers, who has been so kind enough to join me this week to share in the celebration. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. I'm happy to be here as usual. (laughs) Yes, and Erica has her own um, episode where where she talks about... um, breastfeeding her twins and working and pumping and doing that whole thing, um, which is amazing. And she was a winner of the Our Last Badass Breastfeeding Podcast um, photo contest. Yeah. So she's been here. She's a friend of the show. (laughs) And uh, we're going to be celebrating Black Breastfeeding Week um, today. And we're so excited to be sharing a lot of stories. And uh, Eric and I were just talking about how Black Breastfeeding Week is, this year it will be seven years young. Yes, seventh annual Black Breastfeeding Week. And so uh, can you tell us more about Black Breastfeeding Week? Yes. Um, so it is typically the last week in August. Um, as many of you know, August is National Breastfeeding Month in the United States. International Breastfeeding Week is typically that first week in August, and Black Breastfeeding Week is the final week in August. Um, There's an organization on Black Breastfeeding Week, and each year they have a theme, 
And so the 2019 theme is imagine, innovate, liberate, with an exclamation mark. And um, so they just, if you head over to their website, you'll get some information, but they just talk about why we actually need a Black Breastfeeding Week, um, talking about the high Black infant mortality rate, high rates of diet-related diseases, um, lack of diversity in the lactation field, some unique cultural barriers around Black women in breastfeeding, and um, des desert-like conditions in our communities. Um, and so they call it the first food deserts as it relates to our infants and how they are um, least likely to be breastfed. So um, those are just a couple of the top reasons why the, the organization has identified why we need this Black Breastfeeding Week. And so we are going to celebrate Black Breastfeeding Week on the Badass Breastfeeder today by sharing some stories that were submitted to us via email just from some black women all over the country who have breastfed or are breastfeeding and they're going to share some experiences with us and we're just really excited to be able to share those with all of you. Yes, and people have been so kind to send in their stories and thank you so much for sending these in. These are amazing stories. Do you, yeah, go ahead. Should we get, should we read the first one? Start. I have because I have right here the first one is Ebonique. I think yes. that's your friend. Yes. So um, I want to start off by giving a little background to the, the first three that I'm going to read. Um, last weekend there was an event in Prospect Park, Brooklyn called Titnik. <laughs> and it was actually an event that I just found randomly on a Facebook mom post. And it was just about gathering just different black women in the community who breastfeed, who want to breastfeed, who have breastfed, and just getting them together to have a titnik. We were breastfeeding our babies in the park. Um, there were some giveaways. There were just opportunities for fellowship. And um, I was there with my twins, and we were leaving, and this woman um, approached me asking what the event was for, and I explained it to her, and she was like, oh, well, I, I wish I had known I would have participated and I was like oh you know are you breastfeeding and she was telling me about her experience and I was like stop right there we need you to share your story for a podcast episode that we're doing and so she said that she would she had a friend who she would like to also share her story and so what I did is I met up with her her friend and her other friend's grandmother in a park and they shared their stories with me. So these are the three women. Um, I'm gonna read their stories. Um, the first one is Ebonique. She lives in Brooklyn, New York and she's 27. She writes, I remember with my daughter, no one talked about breastfeeding. I knew it'd be cheaper than the formula, but I was also young and I was worried about how it would affect my breasts. I remember asking my OB about it and she said she could she said I could feed my daughter formula. She gave me coupons and said they would also get mailed to me. It was just so easy, so I decided that that's what I would do. For my son, I was a little older and started to make more informed decisions. I researched doctors, hospitals, and breastfeeding. I found an OB who delivered out of a nice hospital. It wasn't that close to home, but I knew it would make a difference. They had breastfeeding classes that they offered at a discount depending on your income. 
didn't know that at first, but one of my coworkers told me that's what they do. I went to the class and learned so much that I wish I had known for my daughter. The hospital even offered free breastfeeding support classes every day for nursing moms. I remember trying to nurse after my C-section, but I had a hard time. They sent me a lactation consultant into my hospital room, and she tried to help me. We tried and gave formula at the hospital, but I couldn't keep it up because it was too hard to go back to the hospital for the, other, for the support group, and the lactation consultants cost too much to come to my house. I wanted to breastfeed really bad, and looking back, I wish I had been more informed when I had my daughter. I think they didn't bother to teach me because I was a young mother. I still feel bad about it because I had known. If I had known, I would have researched more. So that was Ebonique. And the next story is from Ebonique's friend's grandmother. Um, her name is Patricia. She's actually from Portsmouth, Virginia, but she lives in New York now. And she is 82 years old. And so um, we talked for some time, but this is the story that she gave me as it related specifically to breastfeeding. And she said, I was a young mother raised by my grandmother. I remember when I had my oldest daughter, my grandmother told me that I shouldn't breastfeed because someone would think we were poor and it would remind them of slavery. We lived in Virginia and it was a difficult time in the 50s for black people. I remember I saw a commercial for pet milk and it said it was the best source of nutrients for babies. The babies in the commercial were alert and happy, and I wanted to give that to my baby. It wasn't that expensive, so that's what I fed all three of my babies until they started eating solid food. Um, I just later asked her whether or not her daughter's breastfed, and she said no. She said that she told them it was weird and to just give them a bottle, and they did. So um, that was Trisha's story, which was really interesting. Abby, I don't know if you heard of pet milk. I actually had to research it after I talked to her. Yes, I've heard of it. Um, I, I looked up on YouTube and there's a very, I'm wondering if it's the same commercial. Um, it's this black and white, weird looking commercial um, where they're giving the baby evaporated milk from a can, essentially. They're feeding it from a bottle, but they support mm -hmm. it evaporated milk can and um the things that they're saying on there is just so interesting because i'm sure if you're a young mother you see this commercial and you're like i want my baby to have what they're saying so this is what i need to give them and so interesting well and this is this is exactly what these companies do right I mean, yeah. they, they want to make they 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 want to make money and so they target they're targeting people in hospitals and, um, you know, any, everybody who has a baby, they're targeting to try to get, you know, you to not breastfeed because who, you know, they don't make money if you breastfeed. Right. They're trying to get everybody on formula. And the black community is, is, is a, a huge uh, victim of this. Right. I mean, I just think... Like, knowing what we know now, it just seems like such a tragedy that this is what was taught to them at this time. Right. Because this is what she thought of back then when she was thinking about breastfeeding her now adult daughter, who is now also a mother of an adult child. 
Um, but that was passed down from her grandmother to her and down to her daughter who never breastfed and her daughter's daughter who doesn't plan to breastfeed. And think back, this was 1950s and we're in 2019. And that just keeps getting passed down. Yes, right. Um, and, I, and, she, and I like... Um, she brings up um, how it remi- would remind them of slavery, how she was told yeah. not to do it because it would remind people of slavery. And, you know, that's, and so that on top of the, the formula marketing and, you know, that's being passed down from generation to generation, you know, hear people say like, well, slavery's over. Well, that yeah. doesn't really matter. You know, yeah. I, I mean, great. Right. But that those ideas are still very present. Right. Again, this is the 1950s. Right. We were well out of slavery. It was, it was you know, yeah. right. It was right in the the peak of the civil rights movement. But nonetheless, she was worried about being people reminding people of slavery by seeing her breastfeed. Um, right. Which is interesting. And it was. And it was also. She thought that this was. Her grandmother. Her grandmother thought that people would think that they were poor. So it's fear of reminding people of slavery, and it's fear of poverty. Yes. And then, yeah. And then the lack of the complete lack of any breastfeeding information at all. Yeah. You know, if somebody if somebody did express an interest in breastfeeding, um, like the like um, Abenique said that she, you know, was had some questions about breastfeeding. And the first thing they said was, well, just give them formula. Yeah. You know, she, she just posed some questions. Yeah. And it's like, well, just give them formula. That's and just the answer. One was about the cost, you know, like formula is expensive and breast milk is free. Um, but instead of saying, well, you're, you're right, breast milk is free. This is how you could do it. This is how you can make it work. It's like, oh, here, we'll just give you some coupons and some free formula. Right. Instead of, I mean, it's like a gift, you know, people are like, well, here, I'm giving you this gift. It's free, you know? Yeah. Well, I do want to, I want to go to a couple stats that I've pulled up um, as it relates to black women and breastfeeding. Yes. Um, this is reported by the CDC. And so just as a question of why mothers stop breastfeeding early, um, or why they never breastfeed in the first place. And it says 60% of mothers do not breastfeed for as long as they intend to. And it all depends on a list of factors. So I'm going to read those off. Um, issues with lactation and latching, concerns about infant nutrition and weight, mothers' concerns about taking medications while breastfeeding, unsupportive work policies and lack of parental leave, cultural norms and or lack of family support and unsupportive hospital practices and policies. So I think in these these two stories that we just read, I think the cultural norms piece and lack of family support comes into play with Patricia. Um, But then I think about unsupportive hospital practices and I think about how Ebonique just didn't have anyone that was pushing for that for her, unfortunately, or answering her questions that matter right right it just it's it's hard 
it's hard to hear that, but um, I'm so grateful that they shared their story. I, you know, it's so great that they're sharing their stories. And, and the thing about, um, I think when people share their stories is that so many people can relate. You know, this is the story of so many people. You know, it's not just these people. And I mean, they're obviously their unique experiences are so important. And, um, you know, they have their own, obviously, personal connection to it. But there's so many people that relate to the things and the barriers that they that they're going through. I mean, this whole community. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> okay. So I'm going to get to the next story. This was another um, young woman who told me her story in the park. Uh, her name is Trinise. Um, she's from Harlem, New York, and she is 35 years old. She said, my son is 14 now, so it's hard to remember too many details from that time, but I don't remember being around anyone who breastfed. No one was talking about the benefits like they are today, and in Harlem, we didn't have many places for us to go for information. I knew breastfeeding would be cheaper than formula, and I wanted to try and save the money. I wasn't working, but I was going to school, and I met another black girl who just had a baby. She lived on the Upper West Side and had breastfed for a few months. She came over after I had my son and helped me out because no one else did. I guess she was my lactation consultant, but I didn't know about that. Didn't know about those at that time. She just had the answers to my questions because she went to some classes in her neighborhood and she shared what she had learned. I was just grateful that I could save money because I didn't really have any. Looking back, I'm so glad I met her because I think my son is healthier because of her. I have no idea where she is now, but I'm happy I met her. Oh my God. That makes me tear up. And it's funny because I'm sure, I don't even remember if she mentioned her name to me, but I'm sure the other girl was, didn't think that she was doing this much for her, you know, but it yeah. really, you know. Yeah, you don't. Oh, yeah. I mean, she probably didn't understand or even know the impact that she was making. Yeah. But I think this is like what you see a lot is that when, you know, the system is is really breaking down and failing people and then and then people are finding each other. Yeah. And helping each other. And, you know, I wish people didn't have to do that, but it's well, really I, moving to see. I think... I think that when I think about black breastfeeding, mm -hmm. um, I think that it's the same thing with like black parenting. Um, you know, like we know that there are so many things that we need the answers to, um, but we know that we're not necessarily going to get those resources readily available to us everywhere. So we built these tribes of other people who have had experiences and we ask these questions. I can't even tell you how many Facebook groups I've joined that are about, you know, black breastfeeding, black parenting, things like that with like complete strangers that I'm conversing with on a regular basis, just because that's how we're getting our information nowadays. And, you know, essentially, um, Trinice was, lucky enough to meet someone at school who I believe she was pregnant when she met the girl and the girl had already stopped breastfeeding. Um, but she'd met this girl at school and this girl was just like, yeah, I'll help you out. Like, you know, I can answer your questions. I did it. 
and I took some classes and you know you may not have access to these classes but I know the information because I took them and just from there they just formed this bond that I don't even know how long it lasted but um, Trinice when she was talking about it she was just saying how grateful she was and it was interesting because the the order in which I read the stories is the order in which they were told mm. and so Trinice was listening to Patricia talk about it and you know she just like thinking I, I'm not sure if she had this epiphany about her son's health and you know like the the impact that this woman had on her life 14 years later but um I can't help but think that like you know, just hearing each other's stories just made us all more grateful of our opportunities. Um, and so again, I'm, just, I'm grateful that I was able to meet with these three women and I'm grateful they shared their stories with us so we could share them with you. And we have more stories. We have, we more. have so many more stories and I cannot yeah. wait to hear all these stories. Um, do you want to... You want to go with Trina? You can sure. Go with Trina. Yeah, that's like actually in the list, the line here. I have that come up next. Perfect. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, you can read okay. it. Okay. I, I, I know you're probably mouth. <laughs> Let me get a little dry. Okay. <laughs> this is coming from Trina. Um, she's from the Lactating Mama. And she writes, hi, to celebrate Black Breastfeeding Week, I wanted to share a little, bit, a little about my breastfeeding journey. My name is Trina. I am the proud mother of two amazing children with two entirely different breastfeeding experiences. First off, although I was a breastfed baby myself and seen tons of pictures of me nursing, it wasn't something I ever recall talking about growing up. I just assumed I would breastfeed when that time came. Once I got pregnant and leading up to my delivery date, oddly, there was never any mention of how I would be feeding my baby. My mom, family, friends, or even my doctor never asked, do you plan to breastfeed? Honestly, my doctor's office always had tons of informational packets and pamphlets on formula, even free samples, but nothing on breastfeeding. After having my first baby and two very quick, aggressive attempts by a nurse to get my baby to latch, and that not being successful, I remember hearing the words, you're not producing milk. She never encouraged me to, tr to keep trying or even suggest possibly using a pump. I didn't know much about breastfeeding, so we started with formula, and the rest was history. To be honest, having to supplement didn't seem like a big deal at the time. I mean, from what I could see, all signs pointed to formula anyway. It was promoted in my doctor's office in all the magazines. It was how mamas all around were feeding their babies. Therefore, not being able to breastfeed didn't really bother me. With my second child, I was older and wiser and knew that breastfeeding was something I wanted to do something I felt like I wasn't given the opportunity to really try. I did my research and learned about the amazing benefits. Just shocked me. Why in the world wouldn't moms be encouraged to breastfeed? One of the reasons I became a certified lactation educator counselor. Why wouldn't my doctor share the benefits of liquid gold? I was confused, but knew it was best, the best thing for my baby and something I wanted to try to do this time for sure. I was determined, motivated. Going in with the negative thought that my body didn't produce enough milk the first time made it a little challenging mentally, the second time around though. However, after doing tons of research and with the support of family and one very informative and patient nurse, I was able to breastfeed this time around. I was producing milk. I went on to breastfeed for over two years and I'm very proud of that. 
I decided to share this because I know for a fact that educating myself is what helped me greatly the second time. It's important that mamas know, every, know about everything breastfeeding, the different options of breastfeeding they have, the amazing, amazing benefits for both mama and baby, myths, etc. If someone asked me why I thought my experience was different the second time, I would answer simply by saying I did my research and got support I deserved. Thank you for allowing me to share my story and all the work you do to support Educate Mamas um, from Trina, the creator of The Lactating Mama. Chills. I know. Um, I want to read a um, quick excerpt from an article that was published in 2003. It's called Breastfeeding Advice Given to African-American Women and White Women by Physicians and WIC Counselors. So um, WIC... For those who don't know, it's for women, infants, and children. Um, it's support in terms of um, like food stamps and things like that. Um, but there are counselors that are there to support these mothers through um, whatever circumstances they might be going through. So if they're pregnant, they might be seeing a counselor. And there is a study conducted in 2003. And they basically found that African-American women were less likely than white women to report having received breastfeeding advice from their medical providers um, and WIC counselors and were more likely reported to have been advised to bottle feed by their WIC counselors. And so this also just talks about, um, I mean, this just speaks to the racial disparity um, because there definitely is a disparity in um, that's related to socioeconomic status. Um, but in this study, both the black women and the white women were basically on the same socioeconomic status because they both were receiving support through WIC. Um, but they were still advising the black mothers to formula feed at a higher rate than they were the white mothers. And so just reading over um, Trina's story just made me think of that. And um, we all need to do our research, of course. Um, but it, it really is a shame that our WIC counselors, our medical providers, our physicians are not pushing for this as the safest, most nutritious option for our children. So. Yes, and, and, and it reminds me a little bit about what you, when you had your episode, you were talking about how when you got pregnant, you were aware that, um, you know, the statistics about black mothers um, dying in childbirth and, and how, um, how afraid you felt. And I just remember thinking, I can't relate to that. Yeah. You know, I was scared enough of birth, but yeah. I don't, I, I can't, I can't relate to that. I don't have, I, I, that was not my experience as a white person yeah. and how, how you felt you had to do all of this extra legwork to protect yourself. Yeah. You know, to find somebody that, that you felt was going to keep you safe. Yeah. Um, and that just also, I think, goes back to the Black Breastfeeding Week organization and how they talk about just the lack of um, just diversity in the lactation field. Um, you know, it's the same thing for birth workers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, there aren't as many black women in that, in the field. And so 
if there are racial disparities and racial biases and you know there's not enough of us in the field and we see that the statistics show that we are um, least likely to even initiate breastfeeding right um, we know of all the benefits then that just shows how disadvantaged our babies are from conception which is unfortunate right and right and then what we were talking about the statistic before is that is and one of the reasons what this week exists is that black babies are dying at twice the rate, yeah. twice the rate as white babies. 34%, I think, is what the CDC reported. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. <sighs> okay. We get to another story. Okay. Do you have Cassinda next? I do. Okay. Cassinda. Okay. She writes, as a black woman in America, breastfeeding my children is important to me because I believe I'm doing my part to normalize breastfeeding in my community. Before I had my oldest son, I had no opinions about breastfeeding. It was never really talked about in my family, but I am of West Indian descent and my culture is very pro-breastfeeding. I didn't realize just how little education and support there was for women of color before I got pregnant and started doing research. Once I got pregnant, there was no question about whether or not I would breastfeed my son. The benefits of breastfeeding outnumbered whatever discomfort or pain I was told would go along with breastfeeding. I had a very difficult pregnancy and an even more difficult delivery. I was in labor for over 72 hours. <sighs> I developed a fever and ended up having an emergency C-section. This was devastating for me because I had, very, I had every intention of having an unmedicated vaginal birth and I felt as if I had failed my son. It took a long time for me to get over those feelings and they still surface during low points in my life. To make matters worse, my son needed some extra support and had to be in the NICU for a few days. My entire birth plan was ruined. Um, see, in my head, I would give birth. We would go, we would do some, I'm sorry. I think she's saying in her head, this is how it had, she had planned it. Mm -hmm. um, in my head, I would give birth. We would mm -hmm. do skin to skin and settle into a comfortable nursing routine. That clearly didn't happen. And as good as my hospital was, I believe they dropped the ball when it came to pumping. I didn't get to see my get to see my son until the day after he was born, and I didn't get to pump for hours after his delivery. No one really encouraged me to pump, and my son was given formula right away. I struggled for a long time to understand why I was not given the support it needed, I needed during these critical few days. When my son was finally reunited with me, he had become so accustomed to the flow from the nipple of his bottle that he refused to latch. I tried hardest to get him to latch, but he would not nurse. During our nursing sessions, he was inconsolable. He was a big baby, born 10 pounds. He wanted to be fed right away and the little milk I was producing was not enough. I was fortunate enough to be able to attend a lactation class before we were released, but honestly, it didn't help me. It was good because I learned different techniques of holding my baby while he nursed, but no one addressed the issues that I was having, and I left the hospital armed with formula, feeling even more like a failure. At home, I continued to pump and succulent with formula. My son still refused to latch. I reached out to his pediatrician two weeks after he was born and scheduled a lactation consultant with them consultation with them, and the doctor studied my technique and basically told me there was no reason why I was not succeeding at breastfeeding my son, and that maybe it was time for me to stop trying. <sighs> I should have left the office then and there, but I was a new mother, and I didn't know what I know now. 
I didn't understand the implicit bias that many black women face in the medical industry. A physician in that same practice would later go on to tell me I was overreacting about my son's illness, an illness that later landed him in the hospital for over a week. I will give that doctor credit for one thing. Her lack of belief in me motivated me to keep trying harder. I didn't get the birth that I wanted and I was determined not to be robbed of this experience as well. My biggest problem is that I wasn't producing enough milk to satisfy my son. So I figured if I got my milk production up, he would be encouraged to latch and stop supplementing. I took a day and I pumped every hour. I literally sat down at the table and stayed attached to my pump. My husband brought me water and food. I pumped from morning, well into the evening, and by the end of the same week, my son was latching. By the following week, he had stopped supplementing. I nursed my son for 13 months, then tandem nurse when his brother was born. My oldest weaned when he was two years old, and my youngest son just weaned two and a half months ago, right before his third birthday. My breastfeeding journey has spanned four and a half years, and I don't regret it for a second. I wish I had more support from the professionals who were supposed to be there to help me. Wish my community had more avenues I could turn to for help, but I'm happy because through my own struggles, I was able to help and encourage my friends through their own issues with breastfeeding. I'm thankful that Black Breastfeeding Week is bringing awareness to the stigma surrounding breastfeeding in the Black community and shedding light on the inequity that Black women are forced to endure for medical from medical professionals. Keep on nursing, mamas. You've got this. From Cassinda Harry. Wow. There's a lot of really, really frustrating parts of that story. Um, I was telling you, Abby, that I just, I didn't read these ahead of time just Mm -hmm. because I wanted to have my initial reaction um, while reading them now. And I, I just, I'm getting chills. I did not know that it was going to end in her actually being successful. And, um, I'm just so glad that it did. Yeah. And again, because of her own hard work. I mean, she had door after door after door slammed in her face. And she had to. She had to make it work on her own. I can't believe that she didn't see her son until the next day. I know. That part really broke my heart, too. Oh, my gosh. And then no one's trying to help her during that going on like pump or anything, trying to prepare her to breastfeed or, I mean. I, I also feel like they should, like she should have had to give consent for formula. That, in my mind. I know. I mean, they just go, they just take your baby and they just do whatever. That's crazy. Ugh. Wow. Wow. Okay. So here we are. We're seeing it. This is what this week is about. Yeah. So that we can, we can know these things are going on. This is happening. It's not just the numbers on the website. These are people's stories. This is real. Oh, my goodness. Um, I wanted to go over another quick statistic. Reported mm-hmm. by the, this is reported by the National Institute on Minority Health Disparities. This was published in 2017. Um, this is to answer the question why do these racial disparities persist? And so here's what the research is showing us. Um, African women, African-American women um, tend to return to work earlier than, 
earlier after childbirth and are more likely to work in environments that do not support breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Health care settings provide supplemental feeding to healthy, full-term breastfed babies during postpartum stay, um, and that decreases the likelihood of exclusive breastfeeding. Um, that's similar to what we just read. And healthcare settings that separate mothers from babies during their hospital stay also decrease the um, exclusive breastfeeding. Lack of knowledge about the benefits of breastfeeding and risks of not breastfeeding. Perceived inconvenience, a breastfeeding mother may have to give up too many habits of her lifestyle. The mistaken belief that big is healthy, leading moms to introduce formula early. Mm -hmm. The cultural belief that the use of cereal in a bottle will prolong the infant's sleep and embarrassment, fearful of being stigmatized when they breastfeed in public. Mm -hmm. So that was just published in 2017. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that right now in the stories. You can see all of this, all of these, yeah, all of these statistics, all of these things that, that Erica's reading. I mean, it's all coming out in these stories. And our next story is from Bethany Thomas. She writes, it's not easy. I remember thinking when I was younger that I would never breastfeed. I would giggle at the thought of it, never realizing the strength it takes and the many health benefits for both mom and baby that come along with breastfeeding. I recently read that breastfeeding for one year is approximately 1,800 hours, compared to a full-time job with three weeks vacation being 1,960 hours. And here I am, almost 11 months in. I am proud, not lucky, to have been able to breastfeed this long, as I'm aware of so many women that weren't able to do so. See, this breastfeeding journey has not been easy at all. Once my milk supply came in, my babe preferred one breast over the other by month four, which ultimately left me with what I like to call one good boob. So for the past six and a half months, we have depended solely on one boob without supplementing. I've been able to produce enough, but the pressure I felt is unreal in addition to trying to find bras and swimsuits that can disguise the unevenness in breast size. While I, was, while I strongly believe in and support breastfeeding and would like to see it normalized, I would like to remind mothers that a fed baby is a healthy baby. There are so many benefits to breastfeeding, but don't feel bad if you're unable to do so or when were unable to stick with it. Be proud and remember, fed is best. Thank you so much, Bethany, for sharing your story. And I love how you, um, first of all, how amazing our bodies are and how amazing your body is uh, for nourishing, you know, this full milk supply in one breast and how I love how you highlight to the um, how much work it is by by comparing uh, the the work hours of a full time job. Um, I saw that going around as well. And I think that's just so important to remember how hard we are working and how much of a how hard you're working and and how how hard you know really how hard uh this is okay do you want to get to the right. next one sure carly zella mm -hmm. okay we have carly zella she's 26 married in aiken south carolina i went into motherhood with the intention of solely breastfeeding when my son turned four months we learned that his acid reflux was stunting his weight gain I quit dairy, soy, and nut products immediately. At the gastroenterologist, the doctor recommended my efforts, commended my efforts as she diagnosed him with a 
dog and dairy protein allergy. Hmm. Uh, I had been directed by the pediatrician to give my son Nutramigen formula. I pumped my breast milk for one month while the dairy and soy worked through my body. I think it's soy and dairy allergy, not dog. Okay. I think it just might be a typo. Soy and dairy protein allergy. I had been directed by the pediatrician to give my son Nutramigen formula. I pumped my breast milk for one month while the dairy and soy worked through my body. At the end of that month, I continued pumping, but began using my milk for all of his meals with added infant oatmeal. We had started giving him homemade purees twice a day and worked our way up to three meals a day by the time he was nine months old. Now he is a happy, healthy boy without any allergies, and I breastfed him for 14 months. I had the support of my aunt, a veteran of breastfeeding, having breastfed her eight kids. I am very proud of our journey. Signed, Carly Zella. Wow. That's quite a fight. Um, I know someone who did something similar, um, just continued pumping, and she actually was able to get some breast milk from a milk bank. Um, mm-hmm. While she just continued to pump the breast milk to kind of get it out of her system, but keep her supply up. And that takes a whole other level of dedication. So, right. Early. These are, yeah, these are, that's amazing that she pushed through all of that. Um, all right, we'll get to Ivana. Yeah, go ahead. She um, answered some questions that we had suggested, so I'm just going to read the question and her answer. So how did you feel about breastfeeding before you had your baby? She said, with both pregnancies, I felt very good about breastfeeding. It was very important to me to breastfeed. I understand all the health benefits and the bond that we created with it. The question, next question is, did you experience any struggles? And she said, yes, both of my kids were born early, three and a half weeks and five weeks. I did not have strong sucks when they latch. With my first, I pumped for 12 weeks before she was able to get a full feed from the breast. With my second, I pumped for a little over four months before he was able to get a full feed from the breast. What were your successes? Both kids eventually latched. I nursed my daughter for 18 months and will nurse my son for at least a year. He's currently six months. And we will do our best to nurse for two years. Do you reach do you reach out for support? She said yes. With both kids, I saw a lactation consultant. They were very helpful while breastfeeding. Were you given the support that you needed? She said yes. I was given the support I needed. My husband was very supportive of my breastfeeding journey. What were your fears around breastfeeding? She said my main fear was that I was not going to produce enough milk to breastfeed for at least a year. How's breastfeeding going for you now? And she said, breastfeeding my son, who is six months, has been wonderful now that he latches. It was one of my favorite times during the day. We both look forward to it. Ivana Shaw. That's amazing. That, that four months to get him to latch. That, Can you imagine that first time he latched? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But I, I love how she said, like, it's one of her favorite times during the day. We both yes. Look because it's, it's something so special. We know about the health benefits, but it's, you know, you know, Abby. Yeah, and when... It feels good. It does, and when you, and when you work so hard through something, you work so hard and you succeed, and then that's like the payoff. You get to look down and say like, wow, I worked so hard for that to make that happen. Yeah. I love it. 
Thank you, Ivana. Yes, thank you. All right, do you want to read Tanisha? Sure, Tanisha Benoit. Prior to giving birth to my baby, I volunteered at a breastfeeding clinic for nearly a year while obtaining my master's in maternal and child health. I saw many women come in and explain their struggles and my mentor support them and put them on the right path. The experienced couple with my first, my field of study made me determined to breastfeed once I had my own child. It wasn't until I tried breastfeeding myself that I truly understood how hard it was. After the birth of my daughter, we had latch, we had issues latching with the first few days. So I reached out to my old mentor and IBCLC. We discovered my daughter had a tip and a tongue and lip tie, which needed to be corrected. Once we got that done, I was sure it would be smooth sailing, but instead I still faced issues with family and my daughter's pediatrician. The pediatrician told me that my daughter wasn't gaining weight fast enough and suggested I had low calorie breast milk. Although she was within normal weight limits, they suggested I started formula. I developed postpartum anxiety and constantly stressed over her weight and the amount transferred with each feed. Additionally, whenever I share that my breastfeeding goal was to make it to one year, my family would give skeptical looks and say I wouldn't make it that long. My old mentors and my husband provided constant support and reassurance. I'm happy to say my daughter is nine months and we're still going strong. From Tanisha. Shout out to Tanisha. Seriously. What is low calorie breast milk? It's nothing. It's something that they, it's one of these myths. It's these breastfeeding myths. We go, this is what, there's so much misinformation about breastfeeding out there. And it's being, it's being spread by medical professionals. You know, you go to your pediatrician's office. Well, you know, your, your breast milk isn't fatty enough. It doesn't have enough calories. This is not true. Breast milk is made by your body. Your body didn't make a mistake. It grew this awesome, beautiful baby. Now it knows what milk to make for it. This is, this is not, this is just more of this misinformation that is interfering with people's uh, breastfeeding stories. (sighs) It makes me very angry. Well, I want to skip over one story just because we were reading about a lip and tongue tie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. read a story um, by a friend of mine whose daughter is, I believe, about three weeks old right now. Um, She has shared her story, and her name is Constance Harewood. She writes, about a year before my baby girl was born, I had my mind made up that I would take on breastfeeding for at least one full year. During my second trimester, I educated myself on what it would be like and how my husband could Add support. I was told that I might have challenges with milk supply due to having a breast reduction 10 years ago. However, back then I had no idea how important this journey would now mean to me. As soon as my daughter was born, she wanted to breastfeed, but her latch was super painful. I pushed through it and the cracked nipples before we found out she had tongue tie. I was devastated because I wasn't sure if we should get it corrected, but also knew we wouldn't have a painless breastfeeding experience without it. So after seeing a lactation consultant, oral surgeon, plus hours of research and prayer, we had the procedure done to release it. Writing this, we are only a few days removed from the procedure. I've been taking supplements and trying different power pumping techniques to increase my supply as we complete exercises to get her used to the new function of her tongue. To nurse directly, I'm using a nipple shield while she learns to latch correctly with her new tongue. 
but have already noticed a big difference. Our journey has not been ideal, but I am determined not to give up, and I am so thankful for all the moms in my tribe who have supported me. Sincerely, Constance Harewood. So. <sighs> Another incredible story of somebody making it happen. Making it work. Mm -hmm. uh, Constance, um, as I mentioned, is a friend of mine. She's, she has been on it. I know she's been going to lactation consultants. Uh, I'll text her every now and then. She's like, you know, how are you feeling? How's it going? She's like, oh, we're on our way to lactation consultant because she's just so determined to make this work. Um, and I actually didn't know her when she got her breast reduction. And so I'm still learning myself a little bit about how that is somehow affecting her breastfeeding. Um, but I mean, I think the same theme in all of these is that we have to just like do our own research. And so, you know, exactly. If you did get a breast reduction, that doesn't mean you can't breastfeed. If your child has tongue tie, that doesn't mean you can't breastfeed. There are ways to make it work. There, there are mamas right here who are sharing their stories who have made it work. And it's yeah. not, but you can so do it. You can. And if somebody tells you something like your breast milk doesn't have enough calories in it, or you're just, you know, you're not making enough, or there's something wrong, call me. <laughs> I just, I, I, wouldn't, I can give you a website. I can do all this, but forget it. Just send me a message over Instagram or something because I can, I'll help you with this information because this is not true. These things are not true. And, and all of this is being spread around and it's, ending relate breastfeeding relationships before people are ready. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Should we read Ariel? Yes, you can read hers. Okay. While I was pregnant, I knew I wanted to breastfeed, but I didn't know how challenging it would be. We got off to a very rough start, having issues with supply and latching. After about five days postpartum, my supply finally came in but there was still the issue of latching. At the suggestion of a lactation consultant, I sought the use of nipple shields. The nipple shields really helped. Unfortunately, it still took two people to get my son latched at each feeding. But I did not give up, but that's incredible. After about four months, we finally got on track and I absolutely love it. I no longer have to use nipple shields and my son latches himself with no problem. I won't lie, it is difficult being attached to a baby or a pump every three hours but the bond we share because of it makes it well worth it. Mamas, if you're considering breastfeeding, know that it is tough, but you can do it. Find support wherever you can, whether it be lactation consultants, a Facebook group, mommy blogs, etc. There may be a lot of people, including family, that don't understand breastfeeding or that don't support your decision, but please don't let them deter you. You must make the de best decision for you and your baby. From Ariel. Wise words, oh, Ariel. Yes. Yes. And I love that we read hers right after Constance's story. Just yes. because Constance is still using the nipple shields. It's just she's not there yet. But Ariel's showing that, you know, it might take some time. It might take two people to latch her. <laughs> That's body. amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Just that people are, people are doing these things. It's all about a tribe. You have yeah. to get a group of people who are going to support you through this journey. Because it's hard. Breastfeeding, parenting, all of it. It's really hard. Yes. It's, we're not meant to do it alone. No. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Rumina Nursing Wear's Pump and Nurse Collection. 
Are you looking for a bra or tank top you can do both breastfeeding and hands-free pumping in? Don't want to completely disrobe to put on a different pumping top? Rumina Nursingwear's Pump and Nurse Collection has helped thousands and thousands of breastfeeders reach their breastfeeding goals by offering all-in-one products that breastfeeders can easily nurse and pump hands-free in. With their simple hands-free pumping design, breastfeeders don't have to worry about disrobing completely or putting on additional pumping straps or tops. All of Rumina's products are comfortable to wear all day and supportive for busy, multitasking breastfeeders like you. Badass breastfeeding listeners can receive an exclusive 20% off discount on Rumina's Pump and Nurse collection by visiting Rumina's website, pumpandnurse.com, and using promo code BB19. That's BB19. Okay, we have Shell with a twin breastfeeding story. Okay, uh uh-oh, did I... Okay, let's scroll down. Did Shell. I go out of order? Okay. No, no, we're good. Okay. Shell, the twins mom. Shout out to my other twin mom. Yes. <laughs> I'm nine months into my breastfeeding journey with my twin daughters. When I first found out I was expecting, I knew immediately that I wanted to breastfeed. During my second appointment, I learned that I was expecting not one, but two babies. Oh, you know that feeling. <laughs> even she even, was- Erica even went through it and she's like, oh. Exactly Just remembering. I found out my second appointment, not the first. But um, anyway, even though it intimidated me a little bit, I wasn't discouraged and I knew I still intended on breastfeeding them. I definitely thought about what I was facing all the time. Uh, I was about to be vegan breastfeeding mom with twin babies who also suffers from an autoimmune disease, lupus. Um, sorry, autoimmune disease, lupus. So many thoughts fill my mind. I, will I supply enough for two? Will I be in taking the proper nutrients to give them the proper nourishment? Will this take a toll on my body? Will I be able to do this for as long as I plan to? This experience has been so beautiful, not only for me, but for my entire family, even though no one breastfed that I was related to. Everyone is so supportive of my decision to breastfeed, especially my husband. He's purchased so many gizmos and gadgets to make it even more easier to provide daily our twin girls even when my supply took a dip and i was frantic he assured me that everything would be okay and even did some research on dairy-free formulas my dip didn't last long but i think his encouragement and my will to do whatever it took to normalize it made me feel a thousand percent better breastfeeding for me now is routine and easier than ever um, my girls still nurse at the same time, and they aren't shy with <laughs> They can get known that it's time to eat. I don't have a mark or date to stop. I plan on letting the twins wean themselves off. Now that breastfeeding is getting more acceptance in the black community, it makes me feel even more empowered. None of my sisters breastfed, nor my mom or aunties, just me. So I feel like I'm leading by example to my family and friends if they decide to breastfeed in the future. Signed, Shell, the twins' mom. I love that. I love that the husband's with the gizmos and the gadgets. That's <laughs> like, um, he just so that, wants to help. Cool. But I, I love that, you know, no one else breastfed in her family, but she is like, I'm, it's stopping with me and I'm going to show them what it's like. And, and I love that she, as a twin mom, decided that because if no one's already breastfeeding in your family, they're all right. Like, I know what it's like for them to say like, Oh, well with two, it's, it's nearly impossible. Yeah. And it's like, is it my body made these babies? Why do you think my body can't feed these babies? Right. 
So I'm so glad that she stayed on it. And so she said she's almost nine months into it. So that's amazing. That is so amazing. Ooh, we have another twin mom. Oh, yeah. Do you want okay, to read? Should I read it? Yeah. Okay. Siobhan Walls. Breastfeeding my twins has been one of the hardest and most rewarding tasks I ever had the pleasure of doing. When I found out I was pregnant with twins, my constant question was, how do you feed two babies at the same time? I didn't immediately know that I wanted to exclusively breastfeed them. 16 years ago, I breastfed my daughter. And after three months, I thought she decided it was enough. And boy, was I happy. I didn't know that she was just adjusting to her surroundings. I look I took her constant unlatching as a sign that it was over. So when I decided that breastfeeding was going to be my choice, I went to all the free breastfeeding classes I could find. I joined all the Facebook groups and read all of the blogs. Mm -hmm. However, I still couldn't wrap my mind around feeding two babies at the same time until I went to a bath breastfeeding class for multiples. Then I gained the knowledge and assurance that I could do this. I didn't have a big team of supporters. I was told by family and friends that I wouldn't make enough milk for two babies. I was told it would be too hard. I was told that formula was better. I was even told that breastfeeding for white was for white women only. Then they were here. My twins were full term with no NICU. They latched perfectly. They both even did the breast crawl. It, it was amazing. Then the fourth trimester happened. My nipples were so sore, cracked and bleeding. At times, it was awful to nurse them. I tried pumping, and that hurt like hell. I kept telling myself, I can't do anything I can't put my mind to. I set daily goals and crushed them. I was pushing myself with pure determination. I know it was crazy, but I had to prove to myself and everyone who said I couldn't do it. My breastfeeding experience improved every day. Not only was I breastfeeding, I was breastfeeding two babies, and they were hitting all of their growth milestones, and I was feeding them at the same time. We're eight months in, and this is one of the best and most rewarding experiences. Signed, Siobhan Walls. I have the oh. biggest smile on my face. Right I know. Now. That is such an amazing story. I love it. Um, this is another statistic that's not necessarily related to breastfeeding, but um, black women are more likely to have multiples than any other race group. Get so- out of here. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't find oh. that out. Pregnant with twins, but um, so yeah, black women, and then also um, women who specifically um, come from Western Africa. Um, and so, and then also like women in their thirties, and there's other statistics also. But oh my god, because so black women are more likely to have multiples, and multiples moms are more likely to of course, have C-sections. Um, we also get a lot of, you know, just negativity from people telling us that we can't breastfeed our babies because our bodies won't produce enough. You know, like we're told that for singletons. So think about how often people are telling multiples moms. Right, things. exactly. It's just like a, it's almost an automatic thought. Like, oh, well, you'll have to formula feed because you're not going to have enough for two. You're not going to have enough. And it's, it's, it couldn't be any further from the truth. And um, shout out to Siobhan and Seriously. Um, I think you two are amazing and you're going to continue to breastfeed as long as you want to. I'm at 13 months and I'm still going with my twins. So That's super motivating to hear. Um, the next story. It's our it, last story too. Very dear to me. 
I did not read it because this is one of my best friends who um, I spoke a little bit about in my podcast episode. She just kind of helped me through my journey. And so um, even though I was present during her journey, um, I would love to read her story out loud in her words. Um, So this is from Michelle. And she says, while pregnant, I knew I wanted to breastfeed. Prior to and during pregnancy and beyond, I was vegan. As a result, I was determined to provide milk for my child with my own body. This determination was both a blessing and a curse. After a two-day attempt at a natural drug-free childbirth, I had an emergency C-section and subsequently birthed a nine-pound baby. I was not allowed to see him for almost two hours post-delivery for reasons which only appeared to be based on organizational issues within the hospital. When he was finally brought to me, he latched immediately. I was told by a lactation consultant at the hospital that his latch was beautiful, which made me feel great until that pain hit. That minute with this lactation consultant was regrettably the most amount of time I spent with the lactation consultant after that. Shortly after this consultation, I was told by a nurse he was too big and needed formula. I was scared. I was a scared new mom who was already afraid of all the things that terrify a new mom. I went back and forth with the doctors and nurses over the formula. One doctor said to me, do you want to give him a dairy allergy for the rest of his life? Girl, bye. (laughs) However, I did agree to allow them to let him have the smallest amounts of formula possible to help supplement my milk production. I did not want this done in front of me or by me so they could take him to the nursery and feed him. I continued to nurse him day and night for what seemed like every second. This particular hospital did not allow overnight visitors, including the father of the child. During the next few nights of my hospital stay, I was alone with the cluster feeding infant and nurses that took at least 20 to 50 minutes to come when I needed help. The first night alone, I took selfies of myself and the baby. I look back on those pictures and think if I could go back, I would not have smiled. At the time, I was a new mom and I thought that I needed to be full of breast milk and pure joy every second of every day with my new bundle of joy. But the joy took too long to come, and every day for months, I continued to wait for it. In addition to breastfeeding, I was also recovering from a C-section. When I returned home, I had cracked sore nipples that I rinsed with salt water and air dried between the feedings. I had a C-section scar that began to leak fluid, and my feet were so swollen that I could not fit any of my shoes. Also, I was in a failing relationship with my child's father and I was in the middle of completing a PhD program that I did not want to take a break from because I was afraid of falling behind. As a result, I had to return to class just a few weeks after giving birth. A few months later, I went back to teaching kindergarten full-time. In between, I pumped two to three times a day for almost two years in a room filled with storage supplies and materials located in the back of the school. My son refused solids until after a year old, so... My commitment to pumping during the day was a necessity, at least for me. In order to pay for bills and the cost of childcare, I worked on weekends. At one point, I had four jobs. There was no one to tell me to stop or slow down. There are several memories from that time that stick out in my mind, one of which consisted of me waiting for a train to get home 
to my son after finishing a weekend job. This commute took over two hours each way, and I missed my train to get home and felt as though my breasts would explode. I panicked and remember going to the bathroom, crying and hand expressing just so I can get some of the milk to go into the toilet. Any breastfeeding mom knows the pain of letting that liquid gold go to waste. For whatever reason, it was a moment that I'll never forget. The first few weeks of recovery in my breastfeeding journey had made the thought of having another child incomprehensible. Even almost five years later, a few months of giving, a few months after giving birth, I was hit with postpartum depression so severe that the following year is a fog of memories in which I continued to survive by building a wall that included, that included myself and my baby. Everything I did was for him and the state of my mind and my body did not matter. I medicated with food, mostly sugar. I did not realize that I was becoming a shell of a human. Four and a half years later, I'm no longer depressed, but I have just begun to heal and recover from the serious binge eating problems. I never sought help during that period of my life, did not reveal my depression to my closest friends until somewhat recently. Without even being asked if I wanted to join, I'd signed myself up for the Strong Black Woman Talent Show. This show included a juggling act, all while remaining cool, calm, and capable of doing it all. Inside, I was screaming, why doesn't anyone see I'm slowly falling apart? When I eventually became a single mom, people would say things to me like, I don't know how you do it all. In my head, I would respond, I don't actually. There are many times that I thought I would give my child away to a friend that he would be better off, and that is hard to admit as a mother. My journey has taught me that I do not need to be one of the strong black women. This model of women was given to me by my, my mother, who has six children, and my older sisters, who are mothers, for years before I even went to college. Looking back, I could see where life broke them, but they kept appearing to be strong until all they had left was a strength that rendered them incapable of nurturing others or showing emotion or empathy. This cycle stops with me. I now know that there is strength and vulnerability and that we are not meant to suffer in silence. I'm allowed to bend and twist and break and grow in front of my friends and loved ones. I also learned that it is not everyone is here for your journey, but when you find the people who are, you find your tribe. If I could go back, I do have several regrets. Breastfeeding for three and a half years is not one of them. It gave me quiet moments to bond with my son when I felt as though the world was crashing around me. This journey also helped to be helped me to be a better friend to my friends when they became mothers. Michelle. Oh my God. What a what a story to end on. That is so incredible. Thank you, Michelle, for being so open and honest with your story. There's so much to say in there. How are you feeling? I know this is your best friend. Um, I just, I was there. Um, and it's, it happened over the course of some time. And so it's like having it all put together like that, um, it's just really heavy. But I know that, you know, she's not dealing with that anymore. Um, she's in the process of healing herself and I'm so grateful for that. And, um, I think the last line is just so true, um, that, you know, in spite of everything that she went through, she has just been able to be just through her experience. She's 
made sure that no one else goes through that. No one that she knows will ever go through what she went through. And so um, she has been such a, she's been a better friend to her friends um, who became mothers. She's had something like maybe five of us who have had babies after her. And she's just, she's just steps up and does whatever we need. Um, and I'm grateful for that. That's amazing. She went through a lot of, I mean, the postpartum depression, the feeling like if she gave her baby away that the baby would be better off. I mean, this is how, I mean, she's not the only one, you know, I mean, postpartum depression hits so many people. And I wonder what the postpartum depression statistics are with the black, with black women. Do we have, I don't know, probably have that right here readily because we're just focusing on breastfeeding, but that's a whole, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I do want to read, um, I guess I'll read one last statistic and then okay. maybe we can just go over the questions really quickly. Really? <laughs> so I'll go over this one um, statistic that's also reported by um, the CDC. And so they say national estimates of breastfeeding initiation and duration have consistently improved among black and white infants over the past decade. However, the difference in breastfeeding rates between black and white infants remains substantial. Multiple factors include influence a woman's decision to start and continue breastfeeding, lack of knowledge about breastfeeding, unsupportive cultural and social norms, concerns about milk supply, poor family and social support, and unsupportive work and childcare environments make it difficult for many mothers to meet their breastfeeding goals. Certain barriers are disproportionately experienced by black women. For example, earlier return to work, inadequate receipt of breastfeeding information from providers, and lack of access to professional breastfeeding support. For example, through evidence-based maternity care practices that support breastfeeding have been reported to increase breastfeeding initiation exclusively, or I'm sorry, exclusivity and duration. Um, but black mothers might not have consistent access to these supportive practices. A study of hospital support for breastfeeding indicated that facilities located in zip codes with higher percentages of black residents than the national average were less likely to meet five indicators for supportive breastfeeding practices, which include early initiation of breastfeeding, limited use of breastfeeding supplements, rooming in, limited use of pacifiers, and post-discharge support than those located in areas with lower percentages of Black residents. And this was reported by the CDC in 2017. So those are some statistics to consider yep. as it relates to the disparities faced by Black women and breastfeeding. And, and it is a common question that people ask, why do we need Black Breastfeeding Week? And I hope that this episode has shed a little bit of light. I mean, obviously, this conversation and this story and these stories can go on indefinitely. But I hope that, that we've done a little bit of educating on why Black Breastfeeding Week is so important. And beyond that, but beyond Black Breastfeeding Week, just supporting... Um, the black community and trying to get, you know, and getting more, more and better resources and 
helping to, you know, to make some of these statistics less horrifying. Horrifying is definitely the word. Um, but we did, when we requested um, that some Black women share their breastfeeding experiences, we also asked if there were any questions that we could answer. Um, I did provide some statistics along the way, but there were some questions that were not really questions <laughs> um, that, you know, I hope that we answered the question about why do we need Black Breastfeeding Week, um, but there were some other questions um, that I just want to quickly address, I guess. Um, one was, when is White Breastfeeding Week? Am I supposed to be ashamed of being white? Why can't we just be breastfeeding women together instead of segregating Blacks and whites to support one another instead of being, in, being put into categories? We shouldn't be defined by the color of our skin. And then the last one, which wasn't a question at all, it was just, it's racist to talk about race. And um, Abby and I have used this podcast um, as an opportunity for us to also kind of educate ourselves, um, just so that we could be as best prepared for this as possible. And um, I read a book, um, I finished it, few weeks ago and it's called so you want to talk about race and the author's name is Ijeoma Olu um, it's available on audible which is how I listen to it it's a great um, audiobook um, this is one quote that when I read I just think that it, just, it gives a very clear answer to some of those questions that were posed and she writes just because something is about race doesn't mean it's only about race. This also means that just because something is about race doesn't mean that white people can't be similarly impacted by it. And it doesn't mean that the experience of white people negatively impacted is invalidated by acknowledging that people of color are disproportionately impacted. Disadvantaged white people are also, are sorry, are not erased by discussions of disadvantages faced by people of color just as brain cancer is not erased by talking about breast cancer. They are two different issues with two different treatments and they require two different conversations. So I hope that kind of answers the questions about why there is a Black Breastfeeding Week. Um, we know that breastfeeding is hard for anyone and women of different races um, are experiencing all sorts of difficulties as it relates to breastfeeding. Um, but we also are acknowledging that Black women are disproportionately affected by um, different factors as well. Yep. And it takes absolutely nothing away from my struggles or my experience to acknowledge that and to support Black Breastfeeding Week. Yes. And to know that there's, you know, that there's disproportionality and inequities based on race. And it doesn't take anything away from me to know that. But I think the questions, you know, we have like, when is white breastfeeding week? And am I supposed to be ashamed of being white? Like... So, you know, so Erica read, um, so you want to talk about race, and I read White Fragility. I haven't finished it yet. Erica did better than me. 
Um, it's by Robin D'Angelo, and she talks a lot about um, just the way that white people react to initiatives to help black people or people of color um, with questions that try to kind of erase color differences. Mm-hmm. Um, like when is white breastfeeding week and am I supposed to be ashamed of white? This, you know, it just, what that does is it centers the white person when we're trying to focus on the person of color and their unique struggles that are totally unique to that group and that white people do not have experience with. Yeah. So I think that we need to work as white people. We need to work to work, work to stop centering ourselves in these conversations and to acknowledge that there is a, a difference. There is, there is, there are, there is a, a disparity. And the last one, you know, the, I, I, I've been talking about this for a while. It's racist to talk about race. Um, I think it's racist to, it's actually racist to not talk about race. Um, because when you don't talk about race, it's a way to kind of protect um, systemic racism and white supremacy. Um, so when you're ignoring issues of race with the kind of just blanket colorblindedness thing, um, then we are protecting all the things that are oppressing other people. Absolutely. And I'm sure we could go on with this conversation for <laughs> a very long time. Um, but we, we heard so many incredible stories today, and I don't want to take away from that because these stories are so incredibly amazing, and the people who share their stories are um, just a joy to kind of get to know a little bit better. Yeah. And you really helped make this a special episode and happy Black Breastfeeding Week to all of yeah. you. Thank you all so, so much. I hope that in the sharing of your stories, you're not only able to heal yourself, um, but you're able to heal your communities. Um, I hope that anyone who is a Black woman who intends to breastfeed, who is just heard some ridiculous things about why you can't or why you shouldn't. Um, I hope that these stories, which have a few of them were like success stories and in, in that they just really pushed to make sure that they could do what they knew was best for their children. Um, I hope that that gives you some motivation to continue to fight for what's best for you and your babies. And um, I know that I'm so inspired by these stories. And um, as Abby said, like, we're just so grateful that you shared your experiences. And um, yeah. And Abby, I told you this already, but thank you again for sharing your platform because um, you have the platform and you, you were open to my idea. But I- <laughs> Yes, this was Erica's idea. She had, we did her episode and then she came, she emailed me a few weeks later and she was like, hey, what are you doing for Black Breastfeeding Week? And I was like, whatever you, what are, what's on your mind? <laughs> Whatever's on your mind, let's do it. Yes. So thank you for that. Um, this was great. I'm, I am so happy we did this. Me too.
I'm feeling Thank good. I know. I think this is great. And there were so many struggles and so many things that were like so frustrating to read about, but I don't know. I just, I feel like there's, you're, you know, like you were, I, like you were saying, I feel so inspired by some of these stories of people just pushing and fighting and being so motivated to kind of get what they want. What they need. What What they they need. Yeah. You know? Again, thank you all so, so much. (sighs) Thank you.